Thank you very much, Zach and Gabby. Good morning, everybody. Welcome. If, uh, if you happen to be visiting, uh, my name is Brian Miller. I'm one of the uh, elders here at Auburn, and uh, as, uh, uh, as one of the elders, we're taking uh, turns speaking right now, and so um, we're currently in a series that you may or may not be familiar with. I think this is week four, if I'm correct. Uh, it's a series um, on the, the foundations of our faith, and today we're going to be talking about what we believe about the future. Nice simple topic for this morning, right? Um, so, as you can imagine, um, I'm only going to scratch the surface here uh, this morning with, uh, with, um, with this topic about the future, but um, anyhow, let's, uh, l- let's start off. I-, I want you to know me a little bit better as we start off here. I'm not sure... Um, you know, I didn't grow up in Peterborough, and so I just want to share a little bit about myself with you this morning. So, I grew up in the Cambridge Brantford area. I grew up uh, in a ch- in uh, in a home. We were a church attending home. I was one of f- uh, four kids. We grew up on a small uh, hobby farm of about just about sixty acres, and. Um, Going to church was a, was a regular thing uh, for us and, uh, and my family. And um, I distinctly remember as a young child, and I would probably say around the age of, uh, around age of nine or ten, that I remember these, these times where I would, you know, be playing alone or, or you know, moments, you know, alone and my mind would get thinking. And one of the things it would turn to is, is death. I mean, when you grow up on a farm, if you're a farm, you see a lot, of, a, a lot of things being born, but you also see a lot of things dying. And so it caused me to think about death. And sitting there alone, it was scary. I, I remember these moments of being absolutely scared of what does the future have for me after I die. And to the point that it put me in tears at times. And at times, you know, I just had to kind of, you know, work through it on my own and and gather myself up and, you know, move on with, you know, the next thing, whatever was happening. But there's also times where I, I remember my mom would come in and go, What's wrong? And I think all he said was, I'm not sure. I'm just sad. But it was, it was those thoughts of what happens when I die? I don't really want to die. It's a, it's a scary thing, and especially when you're a young child. But I distinctly remember that at our church, it was, it was a fairly large congregation, probably about four or 500 people, and we had junior church. I remember one Sunday in junior church, there was a message talking about heaven and hell, talking about the splendors of heaven, right? The streets of gold and the pearly gates and all the, the good things that are going to be happen, happen there. Um, eternity with Jesus and with God. But then also talked about what we call hell, 
and the awfulness of hell and the absence of God there. And the teacher that morning went on to explain, to tell about why, <clears throat> sorry, why did God send Jesus and what Jesus' life was on earth. And it was because of God's love for us that he sent Jesus to die and to be risen again. And by believing in this gift of God's Son, that we could be forgiven for the wrong things that we do that require death, and that we could accept the gift from God through His Son, and we could have eternal life. And we could know that when we die, what the future holds. Future with God, with Jesus, for all eternity in heaven, in this, in this wonderful, marvelous place that the Bible, you know, tries to describe a little bit, but, you know, as the phrase goes, it's a loss for words. Words can only describe so much of what heaven looks like. And, and that message really hit me that day. It really struck me. And there was an invitation at the end. If we wanted to stay behind and ask more questions and possibly accept the gift from God and accept Christ into our hearts. But I didn't do it then. I don't know, I don't know exactly why I didn't do it then. I guess I just need a little bit more time to think about it, to comprehend it, to understand it. But I do remember that that night, kneeling beside my bed, up on the second floor of the farmhouse, that's when I did accept the gift of, that God gave in His Son. And I accepted Jesus into my heart. I said, Jesus, I really don't fully understand all this, but I do know I do things wrong. And I want forgiveness for those. And I want you to live in my heart, and I want you to change me because I want to be with you when this life ends and I go on. And that was, that was a big deal for me. I mean, that's, that decision that day has really shaped who I am today. I wouldn't be up here standing, you know, speaking from the Bible, I don't think, if I hadn't made that decision that day. I don't think my character, a lot of my choices that I do, that I would make those choices if it wasn't for the decision that day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for how much you love us. We thank you for the gift of your Son. We thank you that you have a plan. And Lord, we just pray this morning, amongst all the messiness of life right now, amongst all the, the busyness of life, the things rushing around in our heads, um, maybe, our, maybe we have some really sad, distracted hearts this morning. Um, Lord, through your Spirit, would you just guide us through this message that uh, you've presented and help us to just focus on you and for uh, each of us to take away from this morning what you want us to learn from your word from the Bible this morning, Lord, that you, this gift of your word that you've given us, Lord. Help us this morning. Be with us. In your name we pray.
Amen. Thank you, Zach, for uh, reading from Ecclesiastes. I'm not sure, you know, if you really had time to kind of focus, whether you opened up and looked at Ecclesiastes. If you want to turn there quickly, we're going to hit a, a few different spots in the Bible today. If, if you like flipping through the Bible, that's great. This is a, uh, a sermon for you this morning. If you don't, um, you may not be thrilled. Um, but anyhow, Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And there's a couple verses that Zach read that I want to focus on. The first one is in verse 11. Verse 11, it reads, He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Eternity is set in all of our hearts, not some of our hearts. Uh, I think it's uh, New Living Translation says planted. Eternity is planted in our hearts. It's, it's there. Everybody is going to go on to eternity at, at some point. And it's something we need to deal with. But it's also very interesting, if you move further down in that chapter to verse 17, the writer, the, the, you know, we, we think possibly King Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes, someone very wise, a teacher, wrote, I said to myself, God will bring into judgment both the righteous and the wicked, for there will be a time for every activity, a time to judge every deed. And he mentions it there, but if, you, if you're turning with me, if you flip right to the end of the book, right to chapter 12, the last two verses in chapter, in, sorry, in verses 13 and 14 of chapter 12, He also writes, and now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the duty of all mankind. So if you want to know why you're here on earth, very simply, it's summed up right there. Why am I here on earth? I'm here to fear God and keep his commandments for this is the duty of all mankind. But ultimately your question is, well, why? Why is that my duty? Why should I fear God and keep his commandments? Well, we just read it, and then he repeats it again, basically the same words here in verse 14. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. We're, we're going to be held accountable. Everything we do, everything we say, there will be a judgment day, and we will be held accountable. So if the future, what we believe about the future, is a foundation stone, if you think about it like a building, we're going through different uh, parts of the foundation of the church. If the future is a foundation of the church at large, what do we believe? What do we believe about the future? Well, according to this, we ultimately, there's one major thing, is we believe in a judgment day to come. A judgment day because eternity is set in everybody's heart and we will be held accountable for everything that we do and say, whether it is good or whether it is evil. So, eternity, right? Eternity, you'll either spend eternity 
with God or spend eternity separated from God according to the judgment day. Let's move on to the New Testament. 1 Thessalonians, if you would. Chapter 4 and 1 Thessalonians. Now while you're turning there, let me give you a little bit of background. So Paul, one of the apostles, all right, Paul wrote a lot of books, wrote a lot of letters actually to some of the different churches that he helped establish the people. So the church in Thessalonica, the people, the Thessalonians, Paul went to Thessalonica with a message of, of good news, right? The message that about Jesus and God's love for all of them. And some of the people welcomed that and accepted it. But there were people who were very opposed and very violently opposed to this message that Paul and his friends brought. And they actually had to run for their lives out of Thessalonica. To survive, they had to pack up and get out of town after uh, a while being there and sharing the good news because of the opposition to this new message. But there remain Christians there. Thessalonians who believed in Christ and were still there. And Paul thought about them often. And so at one point, he asks his friend Timothy, Timothy, go back to Thessalonica and visit the believers. Check in on them for me, would you? And Timothy did that. And he came back and he said, they're doing well. They're, they're, they're still believing. They're, they're motivated. And this response motivated Paul to write a letter to encourage them, to write to them and saying, I still care, and here's some further instruction, here's some guidance. And one of the things he wanted to address in this first letter to the Thessalonian uh, people, Thessalonian Christians, was eternity. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 And I'm going to read uh, 13 through 18. Paul wrote, brothers and sisters. That's how much he cared about them. He called them his brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters in Christ. We do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, We who are still alive are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Verse 13. What was Paul saying? Don't be uninformed. Know about the future. There are so many people that don't think about it, don't learn about it, and they have no hope for the future. 
They have no hope. It's only about today. They don't know. They don't think about it. But when people around them die, there's no hope for those people, and they have no hope for themselves. Don't be uninformed. And he's writing to fellow Christians, and he says, this is, a, this is our common belief, right? For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and we believe that God will bring with Jesus all who have fallen asleep. The hope that we will join him again in the, in the future, right? This is our common hope as believers, as Christians, that one day we will be with God and Jesus no longer on this earth as it is today. And then verses 15, 16, and 17, they go on to describe the second coming of Christ. When Jesus left, he said, I will come again. And, and we can read about all that in, in Revelation, and we're not going to dive into that today. Like Today I'm only scratching the surface here. It, it, there's so much to talk to you about, about the future The second part of verse 17. And so we will be with the Lord forever. That's the hope. That's the promise. That's the good news, right? To be with God forever. And he says, therefore, encourage one another with these words. Don't keep it to yourself. Share it with others so that fewer people are lost in death with no hope. Talk about it as fellow believers. Be excited about it. Be excited that, you know what? I'm a believer. If you're a believer, you know what? Our time here isn't the end. We're going to spend all eternity in the presence, in the greatness of God. Encourage one another. Be excited about it. John Metters, He's a pastor and theologian. You may or may not have heard of him. He, he has a book called Rooted. And he wrote, If eschatology is not encouraging and life-directing, it's not biblical. Now, eschatology is just a fancy word, um, but it's simply put, it's basically the study of the last days. If the studies, if the thoughts about the last days from a Christian's perspective is not encouraging, it's not biblical. Paul's writings, whether, he wrote, whether you read what he wrote here or in his other letters, they, he didn't write about the future to increase your worry, to increase your anxiety, increase your stress, to make you fearful. No, he wrote it so that you would be informed and encouraged and excited about what is to come. God has promised us eternity, eternity with Him, a much better life than what we have here. I mean, the Bible tells us we're made in God's image. You can read a snapshot in, in Genesis about Adam and Eve and how they lived with God before sin came. That's how we were supposed to live. That's how someday we will live, right? It talks about God walking in the garden with them. That should be exciting for us. Can you imagine Adam and Eve, God walking in the garden with us? Someday that's going to be us. 
I want to encourage you. Read, read your Bible, whether it's on your phone, on your iPad, on your computer, paper copy. Read your Bible. There's a lot of exciting uh, stuff in there. And as Brent spoke last, there's lots of good news in this Bible. There's a lots of it. If you, if you want to learn, if you want to be more educated about the future, about what heaven is like, what hell is, is going to be like, the, you know, eternity with God or eternity without God, read your Bible. There's lots of books out there. Uh, for those of you who have connected with Right Now Media, um, let me recommend one thing that's on Right Now Media. It's called The King is Coming by Erwin Lutzer. It's a great series. Each video is only about five, six minutes. But great little tidbits of information um, about the future and, and very encouraging. Let me admit, and I'll be one of the first, to, to really stop in the quietness and the stillness of life and think about eternity, it, it, it is a scary thing. It, it's hard to comprehend as us as human beings really what we'll call what the other side. It, I, I, I'd be lying to say it's not a stressful topic. It, it is a topic that easily bring on anxiety and fear and the easy thing is to not think about it because when you do think about it in any type of seriousness, you're, you're going, well, well, what if? And maybe your blood pressure goes up, maybe your heart rate goes up, and your mind starts spinning in different directions, and it can easily go downhill negative. But, but that's okay. We need to think about it. We need to figure it out. We need the reassurance. And that's why we turn to here for the truth, for the reassurance of eternity. If you want to turn with me, again, like I said, we're, we're flipping around here this morning. Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. So, Hebrews 11, a lot of people have entitled it the, uh, the Faith Hall of Fame. It lists off several uh, people from the Old Testament and uh, recognizes them as very, very faithful. I want to pick it up in verse 13 of Hebrews 11. It says, All these people were still living by faith when they died. It's talking it, before this, it lists off several uh, Old Testament uh, people. It says, They did not receive the things promised, they only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers here on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. That's being said about people from thousands of years ago before Christ came and their ability to have faith and trust in God. 
So, let's look at one of the characters, all right? And probably tipped you off a little bit, all right? Our little guy Noah here, all right? So, go back in that one there in verse 7, all right? Here's Noah. I don't know if he was bald. I don't know if he liked the color green, but anyhow, this is our, this is our little Noah for today, all right? Verse 7 of uh, chapter 11 in Hebrews. By faith, Noah, when warned about the things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark, obviously much bigger than our little toy one here this morning, to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. He was warned about things not yet to come, and by faith he believed. God said, I'm going to flood the earth. Noah probably said, great, what's a flood? Well, I'm going to make it rain for 40 days and 40 nights. Great, what's rain? We're told that rain was, an, was a brand new thing then. Before that, there wasn't. And that's you know, just to mention a couple of the obvious things, right? I want you to, I want you to spend 100 years building an ark that's you know, two football fields long what's an ark, right? Like, you know, uh, you know, all these things. He believed and he trusted in faith and moved forward. So that only gives us a little glimpse. We've got to turn back to Genesis, right? So if you'd like to, Genesis chapter 6 is where we find chapter 6, 7, and 8. We get the whole story of Noah. And I encourage you someday, read the whole story of Noah. If you, haven't, if you haven't read it before, if you haven't read it in a while, you'll just go, what? This is crazy. But it's really cool too. Um, let's go to uh, verse, verse five. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. Wow. What a statement. I, I mean, we're only six chapters into the Bible here, right? We're, I mean, you know, compared to where we are now, like how bad were the days of Noah? That that's how God sums up the people on earth, right? But wait, verse 6 The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled. If you thought five was depressing, how depressing is six? Our creator, our maker, right? He regretted making humans. So, he made us. He said, I'm going to wipe them out from the face of the earth Wipe out the human race I have created and with them I'm just going to wipe out the animals and the birds and the creatures that move along the ground for I regret that I have made them. It's like, okay, that's a pretty short history of the earth right there, right? It's pretty depressing. Verse 8. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Now this is a little guy, but I have to suggest 
that according to this verse, Noah had the biggest butt in the Bible. No, no, no. B-U-T, not B-U-T-T, all right? The biggest butt. God was prepared to end everything. Humans, animals, done. But Noah what? Found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Incredible. If we move on to chapter 7, verse 5, it says, And Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. So because God found one person, Noah, he found one that was doing righteous things, he said, okay, I'm not going to wipe out everybody. I'm not going to wipe out all the animals. Here's what I want you to do, Noah. And read the details sometimes. We don't have time to go through all the details. It's cool. It's exciting. It's, it's the story of how God used water and wiped the earth clean. Wiped everything out except for what was on the ark. Everything else. It's a cool, cool story. Read the details. Chapter 8, verse 15. Then God said to Noah, Come out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Bring out every kind of living creature that is with you, the birds, the animals, all the creatures that move and so they can multiply on the earth and be fruitful and increase. Noah was righteous. Noah obeyed in faith. Noah was given a brand new clean earth to live on. See the symmetry there? See the picture we're painting? And just a couple verses later, Verse 21, all this has happened. You know what? God has wiped out however many people, I don't know, hundreds of thousands, millions, whatever populated at that time, all the animals. He's got Noah and Noah's family and two of every animal. And we read in verse 21, uh, and the, um, in the second half, He said, God makes a promise. Never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. And never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have just done with the flood. So he just wiped everything clean, and yet we still know that the human heart is evil right from the beginning. So it's plain and simple. We need a Savior. We need to be saved from our own selves, from that sinful heart that we have from childhood. I want you to think of yourself like Noah this morning. Ask yourself a question. Do you have a big butt? Again, B-U-T, not B-U-T-T. Do you have a big butt? Could someone write about your life, but Brian found favor in the eyes of the Lord? Could you insert your name in that line? Replace Noah's with your own. I tell you, those are the words I want to hear on Judgment Day. 
On judgment day, I want to hear the words, but Brian found favor in the eyes of the Lord and unto eternity with God. Billy Graham, I, I think we're, everyone here is probably, you know, whether you're online or here in person, I think you've heard of Billy Graham. One of his quotes about heaven is this, thinking about the future. Billy Graham said, In my travels I have found that those who keep heaven in view remain serene and cheerful in the darkest of days. If the glories of heaven were more real to us, if we live less for material things and more for things eternal and spiritual, we would be less disturbed by the things of this present life. Like an athlete, if we kept our eyes on the prize, if we kept our eyes on the goal more than on the distractions around us, how much better of a quality of life can we live? The history of the church, as we just kind of dove into it, is about Jesus. People say that basically the story of Noah is almost a complete parallel, kind of a prediction of Jesus' life. And for sure, the future is all about, the future of the church is all about Jesus also. So how does your incredible future affect your present life today? If you've asked Christ into your heart, if you know you're going to heaven, if you know you've got that ultimate great place to spend all eternity. How does that affect your life today? Because how I live today, how you live today, communicates to those around you everything about what you believe about the future. If you believe in a serene future, if I believe that, got to live like it. It's got to be the difference in your life. I want to finish this morning with a, with a song. I'm not going to sing it, for sure. I'm just going to, I'm going to read the first verse in the chorus. It's not one of the great hymns that talk about heaven. It's not one of the most popular Christian contemporary songs from the top ten list right now. It's actually an, it, it, it's, it's a regular band from the 80s. Do you remember Timbuk 3? May, may or may not. I'm showing my age, obviously, right? It goes like this. This is the first verse with the course. And let me leave you with this. I study nuclear science. I love my classes. I've got a crazy teacher. He wears dark glasses. Things are going great, and they're only getting better. I'm doing all right. I'm getting good grades. The future's so bright, I got to wear shades. The future's so bright, I've got to wear shades. How about your future? How bright is your future? Thank you.